I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life for the rest of the week. We explore those implications right here on Outside the Walls. Merry Christmas to you. No, this is not a rerun. Uh, we are not, we're not digging back into the archives this week. Uh, we're still celebrating Christmas. It is, uh, it's the Feast of the Epiphany tomorrow. And uh, so that means we're still right in the middle of the uh, the 12 days of Christmas. Of course, that's the traditional way that we celebrate Christmas. But now the Christmas season goes on even beyond Epiphany uh, because we celebrate all the way through the baptism of the Lord. If you really, really want to keep the party going, you can uh, you can make a case for continuing the Christmas celebration uh, in your own home until the, the Feast of the Presentation, uh, which will occur February 2nd. So here we are. We are hopefully living up the Christmas season, uh, continuing our celebration. With, of course, the, the, the party is a little bit more intense during the octave. Those first eight days takes us all the way through the feast, the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God. Uh, but regardless, uh, we continue to celebrate all throughout the Christmas season uh, because this is, um, this is the crux, the the center of our faith, the incarnation that God, uh, who created the whole world, who created us to be in relationship with him and who, from whom we were estranged, God himself became man. He took on our nature. Uh, he took on flesh. He took on all that we are and became like us in all ways, Paul says, except for sin. And so here he has earned the name uh, that that was prophesied for him at the Annunciation. He has earned the name Emmanuel, God with us. And of course, you see that all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. There's this um, this promise over and over and over repeated: uh, "You will be my people, and I will be my God, and I will make my dwelling among you." And what happened in a um, in in a very real sense in the Old Testament with the pillar of fire or the pillar of cloud. Uh, that that hovered over the, the tabernacle, that dwelled with the people and went with them on their journey uh, into the promised land. What what happened in a very real way then becomes even more tangible to us now uh, as we have God in human form, being found in human likeness. Uh, and not only looking like us as if it's a costume, but really taking on the fullness of our nature, uh, which he, he got, he, he became consubstantial with us. He who is consubstantial with the father born of the father before all ages, as we say in the creed every week, uh, he has gone even further and taken on our human nature, which he received from Mary. He became consubstantial with us sharing a nature with us as well. And so here we are. Uh, this ought to be something that we sit with for a while and not just have a, a Christmas morning, unwrap our presents, uh, crash in the afternoon and um, uh, out of exhaustion, and then, and then move on and get past it. Rather, this is something that we ought to really dwell with and sit with and, uh, and come to understand or, or, or to the best of our ability, come to understand what it means for God to be Emmanuel, God with us. 
And this Feast of the Epiphany that we celebrate tomorrow is, uh, it's another way that God can show us how unexpected he is, Uh, because this is the feast by which we celebrate the revelation of God. And of course, the, the, there's three mysteries that we, uh, that we mark, that we remember, that we look at, uh, in this feast of the epiphany. The first is the one that we're most familiar with that God, uh, that, that God revealed himself, uh, through the star and by the, the coming of the, the Magi coming to, uh, reveal him through their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that that relate to the deity and the uh, the humanity and uh, and the kingship of God. But we also celebrate the revelation of God through his baptism, where the the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, uh, and the voice cried out from heaven, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." And lastly, we have the revelation at the wedding at Cana, where he was revealed through his first miracle of turning the water into wine. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at how God chooses to reveal himself uh, in Scripture, because that is the model for us as we are now tasked as the body of Christ, as uh, the people who are called by his name. We are now tasked with continuing that revelation, not as if anything new is being revealed, uh, because that revelation has been closed because Christ is the fullness of the revelation of God. And yet we echo that revelation. Uh, the, the term catechesis that we talk about re- refers to the echoing of those truths that have been revealed to us. And so we look at the way that God revealed himself to us so that we can effectively reveal God to those who are around us. And so we're going to be looking today at what uh, what evangelism looks like in light of the epiphany. We're going to look at the way that God revealed himself to the wise man specifically, because that's the one we most fully associate with this feast uh, of epiphany. That's the one we think of when we think of epiphany. Uh, we three kings of Orient are and, and whatnot. Uh, and so we're going to look at that with uh, with a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Kassad, uh, and he'll join us after the break, and, and we'll break that out a little bit more fully. But here is uh, what, as we're celebrating Christmas, as we're celebrating the Incarnation, we ought to keep in mind that we have the task uh, as the body of Christ of continuing that revelation, of re-echoing that revelation, and not giving into social convention and, and saying, well, I know you're tired of Christmas music, so we're just going to fold up shop and uh, and, and join you in being exhausted uh, and, and tired of hearing the Christmas music. No, this is the time to double down on it, to wish people a Merry Christmas and let them turn and look at you quizzically and say, why, why are you still saying this? Why are you still celebrating? And say, well, let me let me tell you, because the Christmas story is the one that changes the whole world. When we come back, we're going to talk with Andrew Kassad, he is the uh, the steward for Christian initiation and matrimony at St. Michael Parish in Olympia, Washington. We're going to talk about how the epiphany helps us understand evangelization, how to spread the good news of the incarnation. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We're talking today with Andrew Kassad. He is out of Olympia, Washington. He's the steward for Christian initiation and matrimony at St. Michael Parish. And today on Epiphany, which we actually celebrate tomorrow, uh, one of the few years that we actually celebrate Epiphany on Epiphany on the 6th, and that's just the the way that uh, the Sundays fall this year. Um, but we're talking about evangelism in light of Epiphany, because Epiphany, of course, means uh, the revelation. It's the revelation of God that we celebrate in three different encounters. We celebrate it first through uh, the the visit of the Magi, when they came and, uh, and brought the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child. Then we also celebrate it in the baptism of the Lord, where he was revealed by the Holy Spirit coming down and settling on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And lastly, we celebrate Epiphany in the picture of uh, the wedding at Cana, where Christ is revealed in his first miracle. And so we're talking about uh, how Christ is revealed uh, through Epiphany and in in light of evangelization, how God makes himself known and, and what that can tell us about how we are supposed to then go out and make Christ known. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you, Timothy, and happy Epiphany. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, in my history, I came from a, a Methodist background, but I had some, uh, maybe a little bit of Baptist uh, influence that rubbed off uh, that that I would never have acknowledged, but was there. Uh, this idea that we have to present a very strong charismatic message, the gospel proclaimed very, very con- concisely, and then a, a strong push to get an answer today. I need, I need to know, like almost like a car salesman of, uh, no offense to car salesman, uh, before you leave the lot, uh, I need to have you pray this prayer and sign on the dotted line. And, uh, you know, I, I became Catholic through an evangelization process that was very different than that. One that allowed me to sit with my questions and allowed me to have uh, maybe some incorrect opinions uh, and didn't rush to correct those, but rather spent time accompanying me on the journey of finding out the truth and and helping reveal those things in little ways over time. Uh, and so talk just a little bit about your understanding of evangelization within this Catholic context and how maybe it differs from people's perceptions. For, for a lot of contemporary Americans, they hear the word evangelization and they associate it with that kind of uh, sales pitchy proselytism that you described of, I'm going to propose something to you and you must either accept it or reject it. And there's no space in between that. Um, Either you purchase the vehicle or you walk off the lot, you know, to to use that analogy. But I think evangelization in um, in the Catholic context is a much more gradual process. It's slower. Um, I would really say it's kind of an iterative component that uh, j- just as each of us who is part of the church or those who are exploring the church or those who are uh, in kind of using the the language that would have been used in the time of Jesus, the sort of the God-fearers who were near the temple, hung around the outside of the temple, but really never became uh, part of the Jewish community, participating in the aspect of the life of the church that is appropriate to that particular person. Uh, so, so, for example, you know, we, we have a, a process at 
St. Michael Parish where we do the St. Paul Street evangelization. And that during many festivals that are taking place in Olympia, uh, members of the parish are out handing out rosaries and medals and uh, encountering folks on the street and just simply asking them if they want someone to pray with them. Uh, most people don't, and that's to be expected, you know, in, in our milieu that we that we're ministering in. But some people do, and they take up that opportunity to have a member of our church pray with them, to pray for them. Um, some of those folks may find their way to the church. Many don't, um, but it is all part of this gradual process of spreading good uh, into the world. Another dimension of evangelization that I think is um, maybe not seen explicitly as evangelization by a lot of Catholics and others is the celebration of the liturgy. Uh, as Pope Francis described it in Joy of the Gospel, the doing of liturgy is part of our daily concern of spreading good, spreading goodness uh, into the world. And so insofar as we believe the liturgy to be effective at the transformation of the world, the transformation of hearts, it's transforming those who participate in it, but it's also having a real effect out in the world. Uh, and so that is part of the work of evangelization that we do. And then, of course, there's works that we associate more with uh, the, the corporal works of mercy or outreach ministries of helping to make a difference in people's lives uh, that, that we do because we are animated by faith. And folks that we assist may or may not ask us the reason for our hope or ask us the reason for our undertaking the ministry that we do. But we see that as part of our uh, evangelization, daily concern to bring goodness, to spread goodness into the world. And so there's a much, uh, as you would say, gentler or iterative approach of proposing the good, doing the good, and as individuals ask, well, why do you do that? Why, why do you go and serve? Why do you pray for others? What does this mean? Accompanying them, answering their questions, uh, guiding them on that process. And then as individuals perhaps come to a place to where they are able to ask, well, how can I be part of this? Uh, we, we, we make that transition from um, curiosity, one might say, to desiring uh, what, what, what the church has. And then we unfold for them, well, this is what the church believes, teaches, and proclaims to be revealed by God. Do you believe this? Do you profess this? Is this what you want? Yeah. We're talking with Andrew Kassad today about evangelism in light of, of epiphany. And I have a tongue-in-cheek way of saying that very same thing. It's that uh, we've been instructed to give an answer for the hope that's within us, and you can't give an answer if there are no questions. So go out and live a questionable life. Uh, but but put another way, um, we want to to break people's narratives. People generally have a, a certain narrative that they have set up. They they have an understanding of of religion. They know what to expect from it. They put it over in this category over there. And it's when we behave in a way that they don't have lined up in their category uh, that it it throws them for a loop, and they begin to ask questions. Uh, when we begin to be, uh, you know, they have the expectation of judgment. And so when we can provide uh, a welcome and affection and, and material support and kindness and love uh, th without judgment, all of a sudden that raises antenna and then that begins the questions. And that doesn't mean that we let go of any sense of orthodoxy, but it does mean that uh, we 
we meet people where they are on their journey, wherever it is, and we encounter them with love. Uh, Jesus said very clearly, they will know you're my disciples by your love, not by your proper answers, not by uh, your uh, your strict observance, but, but by your love. And so in, in large part, uh, that's... That's what we're called to do is to, to meet someone with a proper understanding of love, to will their good, not just to, to be affectionate and, and warm and fuzzy, but to give them a, a, a true concern. We're truly concerned for their well-being and, and truly caring about what happens to them. Indeed. One of the tools that we've used at St. Michael Parish and that I've had opportunity to use at other parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Seattle is the Alpha Course. And the Alpha Course really kind of begins with that sense of asking questions. Um, you know, the, the, the first session of, you know, is there more to life than this? Mm-hmm. Opens up that deep longing that all of us have um, to, to, you know, look at where we are and say, huh, is there something that I'd want to question? Is there a deeper or more profound level of life that I'd like to move towards? And I think it's quite telling that these two uh, bookends, as it were, that the church gives us on the, the Feast of the Nativity and the Feast of the Epiphany are about people who are seeking, about people who are looking. Uh, so so the, the shepherds are awaiting a Messiah. You know, these are folks who are completely at the margins of society. And the angels, literally the heralds, the announcers, the evangelists, if you will, uh, show up to them and announce to them good news, glory, that God has taken up his dwelling among the human race. And that for them, for those who are outcasts, a savior has been born. Um, but likewise, there are these magi, these kind of enigmatic characters from far away who don't share the belief system of the Israelites, uh, but they have a sense, uh, St. Augustine would probably say, a God-sized hole inside of them that is needing to be fulfilled. And so they go out on a quest. They go out searching, looking to find Jesus, uh, even though they don't know that it is Jesus that they're looking for. And so they're guided by these various different ways and able when they arrive uh, at, at, the, uh, you know, at, at the encounter with the Holy Family to discover who it is that is God, King, and one who's going to lay down his life uh, for us, for those magi, as well as for those outcast shepherds. And so I think that there's a... Um, there's an implicit statement in that that we don't necessarily run out and you know say to folks like, hey, there's something wrong with your belief system. Uh, let, 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 let me tell you how to fix your life. But rather, uh, we, we live, as you said, a provocative life, a life that encourages people to ask questions of like, huh, is there more to life than this? Like, why, why would I, you know, be, what, what, what is it within me that would seek to have something deeper? And does Jesus have anything to do with this? So, so we have found at St. Michael, um, and again elsewhere, the, the Alpha course to be a great tool uh, to, to allow us as a parish to respond to those who, like the Magi, come seeking and to listen to their stories, listen to uh, the, them share what's going on in their lives, in their souls, and to have this a priori understanding, this a priori hope and belief that God is operating within each of these people who come to our Alpha Course in the same way that he was operating 
uh, within the souls, within the lives of the Magi, so that they could become witnesses, testifiers uh, to, to the glory of God, even though they may not have known what they were doing. You know, uh, a lot of people know about Alpha. They've heard about Alpha, but they think of it in, in merely a Protestant context. Oh, well, that's a program that came from, from the Anglican Church. Well, um, we, we recently went, went through the videos ourselves, and we're just surprised. First of all, it's purely charismatic. It's just the basic proclamation of the gospel. Uh, but second, I was surprised at how many uh, prominent Catholics were a part of the the production of this. So you've got the, the preacher of the papal household. You've got uh, various uh, archbishops and bishops who took part in the uh, the video presentation of this. And and it really is just a sense, and we'll get into this more uh, after the break, a sense of let us tell you uh, what we believe, and then let's listen. Uh, we're going to take the time to uh, to hear you express your thoughts and not immediately jump in and correct you. We're going to take some time to get to know you and to earn the right to be able to be trusted and to be able to speak into your life, uh, whoever you are, whether you're a cynic, whether you're a person who is uh, just for the first time, maybe even considering that there is more to life than this, because that's a question that life inevitably inevitably brings to us. Um, there's got, there has to be more than what I'm experiencing right now. We're talking today with Andrew Kassad about the implications of epiphany on evangelization. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. There's much more to this conversation right after the break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, T.L. We're talking today with Andrew Kassad, steward for Christian Initiation and Matrimony at St. Michael Parish in Olympia, Washington. And we're talking about evangelization in light of Epiphany. Epiphany being the celebration we will have tomorrow uh, that uh, typically and historically has marked the end of the Christian. Christmas season, although we get to continue it because we've split Epiphany, the mysteries up. We have the baptism of the Lord on the 13th. Uh, that's another place that you could end your tradition, your your celebration of Christmas, or you could, if you just really don't want to take down the tree, take it all the way to the presentation of the Lord out on February 2nd. Uh, and then when the groundhog comes out of the ground and sees his shadow, it's time to take your, uh, your decorations down. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So uh, in between the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the star. Uh, th this is kind of the, the central image of Epiphany. It's the one that we all think about when we think about Epiphany, is uh, the, the Magi coming and bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which each have a, a strong significance pointing to the, the kingship and the divinity and the death of Jesus, uh, and having a very specific—these uh, are not the gifts that you take to a baby shower, right? But I'm more interested today in looking at this this idea of uh, the Magi being the symbol uh, and, and in some way a prophecy itself that 
that Christ was the king of not just the Jewish people, but of the whole world, because you have these uh, these Gentiles that are coming to mark his birth. Uh, and so I think what I'm most interested in is this idea that um, uh, of how they showed up. They showed up because of a star in the sky, and we've pretty much well associated the star with Christmas. Um, and yet... When you look at the star and you look at the arrival of uh, the Magi, it's a big enough sign that the the Magi recognize its significance and they travel however far they travel to come and be present um, at at the side of Christ. And yet it's not so big a sign, um, it's not so bright a star that everyone in the world takes notice. Uh, You don't have a whole bunch of people from... Uh, from Judea coming and finding Christ there. You don't have a a large contingent of even foreigners coming because uh, while the number of three is not necessarily historical, uh, we do know that they were small enough that they didn't disrupt the entirety of, of, of life around there. It was a small enough number that they could come in a caravan and show up and come into a house and offer gifts and leave by another way without being seen. And so I'm interested in this idea that, that God used the star because that's the kind of thing that these people were paying attention to, not so much something that the Jewish people were paying attention to. He used the means that would, would grab the attention of the outsiders uh, to bring them into his presence. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a deep sacramentality to the order of creation itself. And we begin to kind of see that, that there's, um, as, as the Second Vatican Council describes, uh, the, the liturgy describes it as using signs perceptible to the senses. Um, so, so the use of water for baptism is evocative of cleansing and burying simultaneously. And so these signs that were perceptible to the senses of these seekers from the East um, was the sign of a star. And so in some senses, we could say that this star or even stars writ large were created to guide these people who were searching and wandering to guide them towards Jesus Christ. And as I look at this, um, that brings the question for us, because we're looking at Epiphany with an eye towards evangelization. This is how God chose to reveal himself to those who are not already in the inner circle. How do we emulate then the way that God revealed himself uh, to continue that revelation today? How do we reveal God to others uh, in in a way that, that they're looking for? What is the wherever you live, whether you're in the middle of the country, whether you're out on the coast, what are the people that are around you looking for? And how do we enculturate uh, the gospel in such a way that it meets the thing that they're looking for to draw, to, to grab their attention and bring them to the truth? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a fundamental question of, you know, what, what does the enculturation of Christianity uh, look like in your place and in your time um, is very much the same question of, what are my neighbors searching for and how do I help them to realize that what they are searching for that might not be what I'm searching for, but what they are searching for will be realized, will be fulfilled in their relationship to God through Jesus Christ. 
there's this um, great epiphany song that, you know, for my family has kind of become our, uh, you know, thing that we sing in the car when we're driving around Christmastide uh, from the Catholic uh, musician Danielle Rose. And in her piece, The Star of Bethlehem, she has this kind of um, cute way of telling the story of uh, the, the epiphany uh, as a meditation on the mystery of the rosary. Uh, from the perspective of the star. Um, and it kind of starts off with this sense of like, I'm only one among the millions of stars. L- look at all these different stars up in the sky. What, what good do I have that I can offer? Um, but then kind of through the movement of this uh, song that has, you know, kids' voice singing in it. And so it's, you know, kind of um, Christmassy and cute in that way. There's this kind of movement that the star has of recognizing, wow, I've, I've got a role to play. I've got a job to guide these magi. And if I don't do my job, these magi aren't going to find Jesus Christ. And so as you get to the very end of it, uh, this kind of chorus comes in of uh, the, the, the children singing what hopefully we're all able to sing. We're chosen to shine the light, to show the way to our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so that that work that God gave the star to do to guide the magi becomes in a real sense the work that all of us are called to do from the moment of our baptism when we're given that baptismal light and you know t- told to bring this light undimmed uh, in, into the everlasting kingdom not to hide it under a bushel basket but to you know hold that thing up there brightly for, for others to to follow and to be uh, gu- guided to that same relationship with Christ that we have found and that has reshaped our lives. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stars, you know, one of the things that I think is um, really interesting, you know, right now is is that we live in this particular um, American phenomenon or maybe Anglo-American phenomenon that uh, seems to have assumed that the discovery of things by science and the discovery of things by revelation are mutually at odds with each other. Um, And yet here we have this, um, you know, this feast that we celebrate as a great high Christmastide feast in the church could in some senses be understood as uh, three foreign scientists observing the night sky and through their observation of interstellar realities coming to realize their profound need for something that doesn't just answer how or what, but really dives into those questions of why and what does this all mean? How does this all hang together? And so through their um, you know, inquisitive, discovering, scientific aspect, they're able to come to a relationship with God. And I think that's one of the ways that, uh, you know, we, we in the, the West in particular can be a light that is shining out for, for others to find the way to Christ, is to show that not only is there not a competition between, you know, science and religion, but that there's a mutuality between uh, reverencing creation and the desire from that reverencing of creation to understand more deeply and more profoundly uh, the, the order of creation and to seek to discover God through scientific investigation of the world that is around us and with God then to partner in the harnessing of um, the wonder, beauty, and bigness of creation to further his kingdom, uh, to, to bring good, to bring beauty, to bring truth uh, out into the world. And so even that, you know, that, that sense of um, doing science as a Christian um, is an important way of being an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Well, and of, uh, of not shying away from things that are not explicitly uh, 
Christian, which is kind of what I grew up in. You know, you, you, yeah, science is there and it's important, but you know, we're going to, we're going to leave that to other people and to recognize this is God's world. And so not only would do we want to know why, which we learn from uh, philosophy and from religion, but, but it's innate within us to also want to know how did God do this without just saying, Oh, well, he's God. He did it. I mean, how, how does the flower open? How does, uh, recently we, we listened to this thing about how butterflies change in a chrysalis, which is not at all how you would expect. And it's just, uh, fascinating in its molecular detail. Um, and this is something that, uh, this sense of wonder and of, of curiosity is something that we as Christians should be first and foremost involved in. Uh, but it's also a way that we find commonality with those who are around us who don't share our faith is to share this this human wonder that then because of the revelation that we've been given uh, can then be that shining light and draw people into the faith. Yeah, it's you know it's really difficult to um, you know, have conversations with people if our lives are lived um, completely apart from or in opposition to the world. Um, you know, Christ did never promise that we wouldn't have lives in the world, but he promised that we wouldn't be of the world. And so we, we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, um, but we do so as ambassadors here. And ambassadors you know, engage with the, the civilization that they have been sent to by their, by their true state. Uh, so, so, you know, we, we ought to be able to engage with civic discourse and to participate in public life and be engaged with our kids' life and their public schools um, and not be drawn out and drawn and separated um, into places where we're, you know, isolated from the possibility of engagement with those who are around us. Uh, but we're brought into situations where we can have and foster good mutual trust, good conversations, and be positioned uh, to, to where someone may ask, hey, why, why do you guys do that on that particular uh, day? Or like, hey, I you know, noticed that, uh, that, that, that you react differently in this situation than I you know, sometimes do. Or I noticed that even after you had a, you know, you know, not, not a great way of handling that situation, that there was a kind of reconciliation that was available. How do you do that? What makes you tick? Um, those are conversations that are hard to have if we're not, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders out on the soccer field or, um, you know, in the science lab or in all these various places where we, the laity, have our primary apostolate in the world. Well, and notice, too, that the Holy Family did not react negatively when outsiders came uh, to be present at Christ. And, and these are people who would not have fully understood uh, all of the prophecies about him. In fact, they had to go and ask, uh, where, where is this king to be born? And then the, uh, the Jewish prophets are the ones who said, well, the prophecy's Bethlehem. So here you have people who know something is important and they know something is significant, but they don't have all the details. Uh, they didn't, you know, they, it wasn't that, oh, Mary and Joseph said, oh, you have to stay out there until you get it correct or let us come in and teach you about all the correctness. No, they welcomed them in. They received the the blessings that God gave to them through them, and then they went on their way. They were warned by the angel. They went on their way, and tradition tells us more about them, but Scripture doesn't ever explicitly tell us what became of them. So this epiphany, let's take the role of the star, and let's be a shining light that guides people to Christ, but then let's leave the rest of the work in the hands of the Holy Spirit, in the hands of God, who ultimately is the only one who can bring someone to repentance and to conversion. 
We pray for them and we entrust them, but we merely shine the light. We've been talking today with Andrew Kassad, steward for Christian Initiation and Matrimony at St. Michael Parish in Olympia, Washington. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And don't go anywhere because there's more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, T.L. Today we've been celebrating a little bit early, celebrating Epiphany, which we'll uh, officially liturgically celebrate tomorrow. Uh, But we've been talking about evangelism in light of Epiphany. God revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus by specific means, and, and through those means gives us a pattern for the way that we are to continue to reveal Christ to the world uh, through evangelism. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with others, visit the archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You'll find this episode as well as all the other episodes we've recorded over the years. Uh, for your on-demand listening pleasure. Uh, It makes it easy to share on social media as well. And while you're sharing that episode on social media, know that there is more content available to those who support the show through Patreon. Uh, Each and every week, we give our Patreon supporters a few extra questions with our guests, anywhere from uh, five to 15 minutes of extra exclusive content. Uh, And so I invite you to be a part of that. If you care enough about the show to keep us on the air, a gift of as little as $5 a month gets you access to all of the extra segments we produce each and every month and helps ensure that we can continue to bring you this show week in and week out. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from Church History. Both of these come from the Feast of the Epiphany, which we'll celebrate tomorrow, Uh, One comes from the Mass, it's the first reading there, and the other comes from the Breviary. The first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you, the Lord shines, and over you appears his glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall be radiant at what you see, and your heart shall throb and overflow, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you. The wealth of nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you, dromedaries from Midian and Ephah. All from Sheba shall come, bearing gold and frankincense, and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. That reading comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60. Our reading from church history comes from a sermon by St. Leo the Great. The Lord has made his salvation known to the whole world. The loving providence of God determined that in the last days he would aid the world set on its course to destruction. He decreed that all nations should be saved in Christ. A promise had been made to the holy patriarch Abraham in regard to these nations. 
he was to have a countless progeny, born not from his body, but from the seed of faith. His descendants are therefore compared with the array of the stars. The father of all nations was to hope not in an earthly progeny, but in a progeny from above. Let the full number of the nations now take their place in the family of the patriarchs. Let the children of the promise now receive blessing in the seed of Abraham, the blessing renounced by the children of his flesh in the persons of the Magi. Let all people adore the creator of the universe. Let God be known not in Judea only, but in the whole world, so that his name may be great in all Israel. Dear friends, now that we have received instruction in this revelation of God's grace, let us celebrate with spiritual joy the day of our first harvesting, of the first calling of the Gentiles. Let us give thanks to the merciful God who has made us worthy, in the words of the Apostle, to share the position of the saints in light, who has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. As Isaiah prophesied, the people of the Gentiles who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who dwell in the region of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He spoke of them to the Lord. The Gentiles who do not know you will invoke you, and the peoples who knew you not will take refuge in you. This is the day that Abraham saw and rejoiced to see, when he knew that the sons born of his faith would be blessed in his seed, that is, in Christ. Believing that he would be the father of the nations, he looked into the future, giving glory to God in full awareness that God is able to do what he has promised. This is the day that David prophesied in the Psalms when he said, All the nations that you have brought into being will come and fall down in adoration in your presence, Lord, and glorify your name. Again, the Lord has made known his salvation in the sight of the nations. He has revealed his justice. This came to be fulfilled, as we know, from the time when the star beckoned the three wise men out of their distant country and led them to recognize and adore the King of heaven and earth. The obedience of the star calls us to imitate its humble service, to be servants as best we can of the grace that invites all men to find Christ. Dear friends, you must have the same zeal to be of help to one another then in the kingdom of God, to which faith and good works are the way. You will shine as children of light through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with God the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Leo the Great. So what lesson can we take from Epiphany as we look to this question of revealing God through evangelization? What lesson can we take from the mysteries that we celebrate on this day? Uh, and and I, I think they're, they're threefold. Uh, first, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we can be vessels like the star was a vessel, uh, like the, the water, the baptism was a vessel, but we ourselves are not responsible for the outcome, right? The star, uh, all it did was shine. It had no control over whether or not the people would answer the call and follow it. Uh, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we, like that star, 
should shine, regardless of, uh, of outcome and really with no motive other than to reflect and to shine with the radiance of Christ, right? Uh, many times we have, specifically as individuals, we have this goal to, uh, to have a specific outcome because the people that we want to evangelize are generally those who are close to us, our friends or our family, uh, rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to shine this light of Christ indiscriminately to everyone around uh, and not so much in a focused way. The star shines in all directions and those who follow, follow. Uh, I find very often the people that I want specifically to evangelize are not the people that I'm very effective at evangelizing. And so what's most important is that I simply shine with the radiance of God. And the only way that you and I can do that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we have the, the good news is this. If you were confirmed, that's happened. Uh, you, were, you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism, and if you look over the prayers that are prayed at your confirmation, uh, you were filled with the Holy Spirit right then uh, that, at that sacrament of initiation. So now what we have to do is to step out of the way and to cede control, to give our fiat to God, to the Holy Spirit, just like Mary did and said, yes, let it be done to me according to your word. You who live inside me, who dwell in me, who uh, have filled me up through the, your sacraments, now I'm going to step out of the way and let you take the lead. And so here, empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, we are able to then shine with the radiance of God. Uh, we see that with the star, but then we also see it at the baptism. God is revealed uh, not through uh, through anything that happened with John being obedient, being there ready to baptize, uh, but rather it's through the Holy Spirit that Christ is revealed. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So here, even in this mystery, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. We have to show up and be present and be ready to be servants like John the Baptist, um, and yet fully realizing that ultimately the way that Christ is revealed is through the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you do have someone that you want to, to be evangelized, you want them to come to a knowledge of the truth, and maybe they're a loved one, they're far from God, and you just have a deep and, and burning desire, uh, almost an ache, to see them come back to the truth, then I encourage you, the very best thing that you can do is to commit them to Christ in prayer. Uh, it Certainly, by all means, you should continue to be uh, a shining example and a radiant one, but not with, uh, not with never-ending homilies, right? That's, that's not our place. And very often, uh, those who are closest to us are not ready to hear those things from us. Even Jesus, when he went to the, the city of Nazareth, uh, he couldn't do any miracles there because the people weren't ready to receive him there. And so we commit them to prayer and we ask God to bring people into their life who could be that star, who are unfamiliar, because it's very often the unfamiliar things that most raise our questions and most draw us in to Christ. So we pray that God would bring unfamiliar things into the lives of others and pray that God would make us 
shining stars that would guide people into relationship with him. That's all the time we have this week. Today's show is brought to you by Paige and Kent Keithley. And all those who support the show through Patreon, go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.